The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. What is your heart telling you right now? What is your next step? And how can you slow down and listen to it? Hey, everyone. From LinkedIn News, this is In the Arena, a podcast exploring human potential. I'm Leah Smart, and every week you'll find me right here in conversation with bright minds and brave hearts, learning how we can improve our lives and our world by transforming ourselves. Okay, so today I am sitting down with Deborah Rosman, and I totally nerded out with her on this episode because I think her research and her work is so interesting and profound for us. So she's the executive director of the Heart Math Institute, and she's trained and spoken to Fortune 500 companies, government agencies, the military, and scientific and health communities about one thing, which is the heart and understanding what the heart is, does, its actual function, and things far beyond just the research that we've all experienced around how it fails us or the things that can happen that are challenging with the heart when it comes to medical issues. So what Deborah has understood and what we talked about is that the researchers discovered in the 1990s that the heart has its own intrinsic nervous system with 40,000 neurons that can sense, learn, feel, and remember. So in essence, or in other words, the heart has its own brain. And what became clear in the research on the heart is that it communicates to the brain through the vagus nerve and then through other pathways about how the body is feeling. The heart also has its own ability to access information through its electromagnetic field, which can be up to five feet around your body and is produced by every heartbeat that gives it connection to intuitive downloads. This is known as heart intelligence. So your heart has a brain and your heart has intelligence. And the way that Deborah and I talked about it in the conversation is like, you know, when you just kind of get the vibe from somebody like the vibe check and you're like, oh, I love that or I don't love that. Part of that input and part of what you're receiving is that electromagnetic field that's being produced by the heart. Okay, so why is this important? Well, the heart sends more signals to the brain than the brain does to the heart which indicates that the heart is the one that's usually telling the brain what to do. Now, Deborah's work at HeartMath is about helping people understand the tools they can use to reset their emotions in the moment and the power of the heart in regulating our emotions. We are feeling beings who think, not thinking beings who feel. And she uses this tool called quick coherence to help us each take charge of our emotions so we can come from a better place when we communicate, when we make decisions, and when we show up in the world. So I'm going to stop there. Here's Deborah teaching us more. I hope you enjoy this episode and that you learn some more about your precious heart. In the 1990s, researchers discovered that the heart contains a little brain, an intrinsic nervous system with 40,000 neurons that can sense, feel, learn, and remember. And that the heart communicates through the vagal nerve and other pathways how the body is feeling to the brain upstairs. And that the heart is constantly receiving like a radio receiver and transmitting how the body feels. That is what we used to think was metaphoric. Mm. It really is an innate intelligence within the heart. 
and the heart has its own ability to access information through its electromagnetic field produced by every heartbeat that gives it connection to intuitive downloads and information. Then it then signals through the vagal nerve to the brain that interprets it in language we can understand or images. And then the brain feeds the gut and the rest of the body, so we say we have that gut feeling. But it's the heart that's the receiving station. That is heart intelligence. So when you say the heart has a little brain, you mean that there are a collection of neurons, or what's going on? Yeah, it's neurons, uh, all sensory neurites. We have slides showing it. Yes, and that little brain in the heart is actually has neurons that are sensory, meaning they learn, they sense, they feel, they remember. That's how on heart transplant patients, sometimes the person who receives the heart takes on a lot of the personality of the donor for a while until their own spirit takes over. Wow. Okay, that could be a whole other <laughs> podcast <laughs> conversation. <laughs> we could do a whole series on what the heart is and how it's just being rediscovered on a spiritual level. Because I'm a 50-year meditator. And I always knew that it's all about opening the heart, connecting in the heart. That's where joy and fulfillment, and that's where you feel love and care. I taught children meditation, wrote a book on meditating with children in the 70s. And in a classroom, I'd say, who are you? Point to yourself. They never pointed up here. They pointed to their heart, our feeling center of being. So HeartMath started by our founder, Doc Childry, who knew intuitively he was a meditator and said, okay, we need to research the physiology, not just have another Mm woo-woo philosophy coming out of California. We need to understand the operating system, the mechanism. How does the heart talk to the brain and the body? And how does it connect with another dimension? Is that researchable? And that's how we started our mission at the HeartMath Institute was to research the heart-mind-body-spirit connection, see if we could find the connection. Okay, so I heard at some point that the vagus nerve, which is, I believe it's the largest nerve in our body, sends more signals up from our heart to our brain than our brain does to the rest of our body. Is that true? Right, or even that our brain does back to our heart. Mm. Because most people were taught, including myself, and most doctors are taught, The brain controls the heart. Mm -hmm. And what we're finding and the research is finding since the 1990s, the heart is a hormonal gland. It produces a hormone, a peptide that is a balancing hormone with receptors in the brain. The heart communicates to the brain through the vagal nerve how the signals, the heart rhythm pattern, which is what math measures in our inner balance sensor. And when you feel upset, frustrated, impatient, anxious, stress. That pattern is very jagged and irregular. When you feel love, joy, care, compassion, genuine heartfelt qualities, that heart rate variability or heart rhythm pattern becomes smooth and sine wave-like. So why put the term coherence on it? Because a coherent waveform is a sine wave. And that's how the whole use of coherence that Joe uses and Others now are based on that research of a coherent heart. And that coherent heart is signaling the brain. When that coherent signal goes through the vagal nerve, the thalamus synchronizes brain function and sends it all the way to the frontal lobe so you see the bigger picture. Mm. That's positive psychology was born out of a lot of that too. 
is when you're feeling positive emotion, there's a different signal right to the frontal lobes of the brain that allows you to have more empathy, compassion, see a bigger picture. When you're stressed, the signal from the heart to the brain is survival, fight, flight, fright. It shuts down the higher cortical function so you can go into survival mode, run from that saber-toothed tiger. You can't be creative or feel what another's feeling or have bigger picture thinking when you're in stress. Okay, so what we learn, us people just out in the world who aren't studying this every day, hear people say, fight, flight, freeze, we immediately go to the brain and go to the amygdala and think about that, right? But it sounds like what you're saying is if the heart communicates more to the brain than the brain to the heart, then the heart is what's telling the brain we're in danger, telling the amygdala you need to rev up and we need to go into fight, flight, or freeze, The serious input for that, I mean, obviously, if your eyes are seeing a tiger racing towards you or you hear a baby crying, your brain's going to respond. But the heart is an input. So if you're feeling anxious or you're feeling impatient or you're feeling frustrated, that feeling state is signaling to the amygdala. It's one of the pathways. Mm-hmm. And it triggers the habit in the amygdala of where other times I've felt fearful or frustrated or anxious, and it creates an anxiety habit or a response. Think of it through the world of feeling, because the heart, whether the brain sees a tiger and goes, oh my God, and then it signals the heart to go into action, and then the heart feels the fear and signals back to the brain to shut down the, all that. Fight, flight, fright. It's this two-way dynamic that's really cool and how it works. And so the whole goal of heart math is understanding how the heart and brain talk to each other and give people tools they can use right in the moment to reboot, reset. Because the little stresses we have throughout the day are not a saber-toothed tiger. Mm-hmm. You know, the little stresses throughout the day drain our energy And we seem to feel that we are victims of constant frustration, anger, anxiety. But we can intercept by changing the heart rhythm pattern. It sends a different signal to the amygdala and the higher brain centers. So we can take charge of our emotions. Let's just say you are walking into a classroom of five-year-olds who had never heard any of this before, and you were wanting to communicate what you wish you knew when you were five about what you've learned up until now. What would you say to them that they must know, and why does it matter? I would say to them, put your hand in your heart. You know, where do you live? Where is your deepest sense? And they always know that intuitively. And I would say, okay, that's your power center. And so when you feel hurt or angry or frustrated, here's what you can do. And then I teach them a technique called quick coherence. And if I have them hooked up to our inner balance or M-wave, they get to see their heart changing in real time. So I can cheer that quick coherence is to focus on the heart, pretend like your breath is flowing in and out of the heart or chest area. Just breathe a little slower, a little deeper than normal. Let's count to five as we breathe in and five as we breathe out. Now, as you keep doing this, I want you to focus or recall something that really warms your heart, like warm sunshine in your heart, or your mom baking chocolate chip cookies, or the love and gratitude you feel for your mom, or your dad, or your kitten, or your dog. Feel the feeling as you breathe. Now, from there, you can make more intelligent decisions about things in your life. 
So that's an example. I just did that and it made me almost cry. You know, it's funny, I came into this conversation with some, I call it alarm now as I learn more about anxiety. It was from something that happened earlier in the day that was sticking with me and it was frustrating me. Uh, and I'm not someone with high anger, but it certainly has sat with me for the last hour as I've made my way downtown and got into the office and sat down and that helped. I'm a neck up person. And you said we don't learn early on that there's really much else to focus on or care about aside from what's going on from the neck up. This thing is going to be the determinant of how successful, happy, you know, all these things that you are in life. And we get told that. But then through experience, if you really consider some of the richest experiences that you've ever had, when I consider those, they've had nothing to do with my intellect and everything to do with how I felt and what I was surrounded by. Exactly right. And you started this conversation with me about your audience is people going through transitions. And so much of what's happening in the world right now, of the uncertainty about so much climate, politics, finances, the changes, the pandemic, it's causing people to go deeper, actually in their hearts, a lot of people, because when there's nowhere else to go, we tend to go to our hearts to try to find some direction and clarity. It's pretty natural. And that is the operating system, is how do you do that more effectively? And how do you do that more on demand? And that's what we try to provide in our tools. People are at these transition points. And so that is perfect timing that people tend to be more open, more humble, more like, what do I do? And that was certainly true in my story. I can remember when I was 21, just out of college, going, what's it all about? There's got to be something else. Yes. And that's when something's opened up for me seriously in the heart. And it started to draw me into meditation and all sorts of synchronicities that led me on the path to where I am now. You know, I had a similar experience at 26 or 27. So not far off from where you were, where I was like, I can't answer this question, but something inside of me knows that there's more. Yes. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I just knew, probably similar to you, it's just you know there's something else and you must go figure it out. Exactly. Only you don't get to figure it out because Correct, that's right. intellect and that doesn't work. You have to really, and people can call it prayer or whatever, but it's like making that deeper connection with your real core being and opening, however you call it, to being receptive to what is it. And it's a humble state. And that's when magic happens, if you want to call it that. That's when you actually begin to access different frequencies and life changes. My goal in my work is to support people in understanding more and continuing to be curious and explorative about what they know. I have also, in the last few years, really, I think, uncovered and continued to explore the side of myself that looks for meaning, purpose, etc., through meditation and other things. And so what I found is I really love this kind of middle space of where we combine the science and the things that most people call woo-woo or whatever. Part of the reason I love what you're doing is that you do have research. You are looking at this in a way where anybody could look at this and say, yep, it makes sense. So I want to know from what you are learning at HeartMath, what does the heart know and understand that the brain does not? You mentioned like electromagnetic fields. You mentioned all sorts of things that I think people might be confused by. So what are we really saying here? Think of your cell phone. It's communicating through electromagnetic fields. 
our radio. You receive what's on that station. The little brain and the heart tunes to different frequencies, a different radio station, if you will, than the brain tunes to. You want both of them together for a full human potential. So you want the open heart tuning to intuition, to sensitivity, to compassion, to empathy, to feeling what others feel. You want to expand your feeling states. You want to be able to shift out of anxious and frustrated feelings. They have information for you, but you don't want to hang there because it just stresses you out and doesn't give you new insight. The mind will try to figure out why you're anxious, but it doesn't usually work because you really need to connect with the heart rhythm pattern and put out some forgiveness some kindness some self-compassion. That will begin to release the anxiety, send a different signal to the amygdala in the brain that will open up more intuition and insight. That's the role of the heart. The brain is there as an incredible computer you want a wonderful brain. You want the neck up to really be illumined mind, to be able to use your intellect and curiosity and creativity. The two together are the human potential, and you want them in sync. And so they operate on different radio stations, so to speak. So, you know, it's interesting. I've been someone who's experienced anxiety for quite a while. My mom used to call me her little worrier. So I've always been like heady and worrisome. And I was trying to cure said anxiety through my brain. And I heard someone say, don't fight thoughts on their own turf. You will always lose. Today, what I've learned there is really a body experience because the alarm and all of this is held in the body, not in the brain. And I never understood it until I started sitting down, meditating, trying yoga, just trying different things where I was slowing everything down. Very important. That is how it works. That's the operating system. It's not just you, it's any human being. And so what we're trying to do is map it out so we get it to more people. And the heart is what's the missing link. It's the missing link on our planet. It finds something you can feel grateful for. Let that open up your higher perceptions, and then the intellect actually goes to a more advanced stage. That's positive psychology as well. It starts with our feelings, our emotions. When Dan Goldwyn wrote Emotional Intelligence, it was a breakthrough. And Candace Perk proved that scientists, that emotions are distributed throughout the body. It's not just stuck in the centers of the brain. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, Deborah Rosman is going to help us learn ways we can practice practical intuition and harness the power of our hearts. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tober Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. 
I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so, we had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Beret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. And we're back with Deborah Rosman, founding executive director of HeartMath Institute. So you said this earlier about the heart sending information and us saying that we just knew in our gut. You've also mentioned like this inner GPS, this intuition. Would you say that they are all the same thing, that the heart is our way to our intuition? What is intuition? Intuition is when we know something without knowing how we know. There's different types of intuition. There's that energetic sensitivity where you just feel the hair in the back of your head going up like somebody's staring at me. You turn around mm-hmm. and they are. <laughs> That's the type of intuition. There's implicit memory, which is stuff we've learned and it just pops up when we need it. And then there's non-local intuition, that how a mother knows their child across the country is in trouble. Just intuitive feeling. And all of these are frequencies. They're in the energetic field. That's part of the new, is understanding everything's energy, everything's frequencies of energy. We like to focus on practical intuition, not about, you know, can I guess a lottery number or psychic intuition. That's a type of intuition. But, you know, it's more like, what's practical, moment to moment? Should I take this phone call? Should I respond to this email now? You know, it's like, how do you bring intuition into your daily moment-to-moment decision-making? So what's one way we can practice practical intuition? Well, by focusing on your heart, breathing through your heart area so your heart rhythm pattern starts to get smooth and even, finding something you appreciate or are grateful for, or even just breathing calm if you can't feel anything positive. Just breathe the attitude of calm or ease. And as you do that, your heart rate variability will go into this beautiful coherent waveform. And that will activate synchronization of the brain. And then from there, you can say, what would be a better approach to this situation? You ask yourself questions in that state. And the answers that come to you are usually, not always, because the mind can interfere, intuition. So it takes practice. These techniques, all of them, take practice to lay down new neural circuitry because we haven't been taught this stuff at all. So when we ask that question and we're in this place of coherence, I wonder when we are experiencing that brain-heart coherence, we ask those questions, I'm sure people are thinking, where are those answers really coming from? That's a really good question. They could be coming from your implicit memory. You know, you clear the screen so now you can actually hear what you already know, they could be coming from another dimension of awareness. Call it your higher self, your Mm -hmm. true self, your unconscious being, but something connected to the universe, God, spirit, an angel, a guide, whatever your focus, your upbringing is. But it's another dimension. And think of that as not woo, but again, everything's frequencies. It's like turning a radio dial so that you can gain new information That's coming from your higher self. 
Um, I want to track back for one second. I've had experiences where my mom has called me and said, what's wrong? Yeah. And I live across the country from her. I'm from California. I live in New York. And I have actually been in moments where I remember I went through a really tough breakup and I was bawling my eyes out in my apartment. She called in that second. It has happened more times than I like to the point where I'm like, get away from me. <laughs> like, how are we this connected? And she's she's known and it's funny because it forces me into a vulnerable position, right? But it's also like evidence is the best proof and actually really having the experience to say like, oh, this has happened. And so I know there's something more and we may not know every answer, but there is something going on here that's far beyond what we've been taught. And that's what it sounds like you are working to understand with the organization HeartMath so that we can just lay the real foundation. That's what we're researching And then out of the research, we develop techniques and tools that are science-based to help us connect with that more and become our own self-scientists. Don't Mm -hmm. just believe us or trust us. Be your own self-scientist. Use these techniques and see what they open in you. I mean, your mom's love for you puts you in resonance so she can pick up your frequency when you're feeling something extreme. And that's not unusual. Mothers have that natural nurturing. That's how you can be moms and babies. They know when their baby's crying even before they hear it. Most of us have these stories where you're starting to think about someone that you haven't talked to in a long time. The phone rings and it's them. We did research years ago at HeartMath Institute. It was all about this non-local intuition and how the heart picked up the signals then sent it to the brain, then the brain sent it to the body. And the really quantum wild part of this is the heart knew before the stimulus. And this had to do with computer pictures, one gory, one beautiful, which you didn't know which one was going to pop up, but the heart knew before the computer had even chosen randomly which kind of picture to choose. That's like total woo-woo, but that's quantum. That's quantum stuff. Ooh, I could get into the quantum with you. Okay. So if you imagine, you know, Deborah, like in our perfect world, I've only done brain heart coherent stuff for the past like four months. What do you think would be different about our world if everybody did this? Oh, my God. Or does everybody have to do it to change the world? That's a good question. I think there's a critical mass that will lift the vibration of the field enough so that more people, it's already happening. That's what's exciting. More and more people are thinking about the heart. More mission statements or companies refer to the heart. More people are talking about compassion, especially with the pandemic, you know, all the compassion and care that went out to the frontline workers. That creates a whole field effect, an energetic field. People start thinking about being kind to each other, random acts of kindness. With all the horrible stuff you read in the news, there is underneath that another momentum happening that's heart awakening. And I truly think that there's a critical mass that will help lift that and then multiply our effect. It'll be taught in schools. It'll be parents will teach their kids because they'll learn it for themselves in their workplaces. We right now work with the Kaiser Permanente system. There's 300 certified heart math nurses. We work with the VA. They have heart math as their main intervention for biofeedback and heart rhythm biofeedback. We work with the U.S. Army for training people in self-regulation, mm. how to regulate your emotional reactions. So you just multiply all that out and it'll permeate society eventually because it's based on how the human system operates, not on some religion or belief. 
Okay, so I know this is like a conversation of a million definitions, but what's the energetic field? Okay, so there are several energetic fields. Each heartbeat is putting out an electromagnetic field. It's electricity, right? Your brain is all electricity, but its field only goes an inch from the brain. Hearts can be measured five, six feet away, and we feel it goes much farther. Our instruments can't measure it farther. That's how we pick up on each other's vibes. It's through the heart's field. So you can feel when somebody's upset, even if they're not facing you. You can feel, walk into a room, we have expressions like, wow, those two people must have been arguing that the energy's so thick you can cut it with a knife. That's the energetic field. Your emotional state is broadcast with every heartbeat. That HRV pattern goes out. And that pattern is jagged and stressful. It's broadcast. And we've done research in the lab showing that someone's heart rhythm pattern can show up in the person's brain waves, not touching them, but standing three feet away. Those are energetic fields. Now, the planet has an energetic field. And when there's a solar flare that perturbs the field, the heart rhythm is the most affected in the body by that. Some of the solar flares, some of the Earth's rhythms in the field give us a positive lift. Some of them make us feel like a little more moody. How do we Mm. regulate our own reality so that we are in resonance with nature and in tune to the more positive elements of the field? I went to Joe Dispenza's retreat for a week in November, and I got back, and I'd gone with a close friend, and she and I are both really open to this work and fascinated. It was a fascinating week. I tell anyone who's asked me, I just say, you just had to be there. I'm not going to tell you what happened because there's almost no point. And I learned that the hard way and sharing that with a couple of people who were like, what? What I noticed and what I know to be true is the things that we don't understand, we often feel fearful of and threatened by. And we make assumptions about what adoption at any scale would mean for the current reality we live in. So like if you were to fast forward and say in 10 years, there had been a critical mass. And I know you sort of answered this question, but I want to come back to it again, which is, does this whole body of research and this work mean that our lives and our world and our existence has to completely change in such a way that it breaks everything that we've built? Do we need to break everything we've built? Like, yeah. So when you consider this, what is it we're heading towards? And does it mean everything in our society has to break down? Or are there things that just have to subtly shift? I think it's both. There's things breaking down right now. You know, we're on a certain track and then we have to break down in a transition or an illness or a financial challenge or a relationship breakup and we open to something new and we look back and go, wow, that was the best thing that happened to me. You sure don't feel that way in the moment. So some things have to break down. Some things have to be turned upside down to get right side up in society. But there's other things that's an evolution. That's an unfoldment. That's an awakening and a ride into the new, which is the more rewarding way to grow. But life is all about chaos and coherence and growth and challenge and fulfillment. And that's a spiral. And so I think for society 10 years from now, there's going to be a lot that still has to shake up to loosen the old rigid patterns and mindsets. And then there's this heart awakening going on, too, where more love, more kindness, more care, more compassion, more connection. It's amazing how much of that is going on. People coming together for solutions, whether it's related to climate or energy or relationships, there's 
just a phenomenal amount of shift happening that is wonderful and positive. That's where the heart's intuitive guidance can help us find more of a straight and narrow path, a straight line to minimize the stress and maximize the creativity and innovation and connection with our true self. So, Deborah, what I'm hearing you say, and certainly there's so much research behind this, but I do feel like I'm hearing a call for just slowing down. Yes. You know, the pandemic was a global pause. Everybody had to really slow down, whether they were ready to, wanted to or not. Now it's up to us as we're coming out of that to remember some of the positive that we learned during those times and really slow down the racing mind. Most people don't want to go back to how they lived before the pandemic. 50% of workers don't want to go back to work at the office. They want more work-life balance. They want more nurturing. They want more emotional quality of life. What they value in terms of relationship or gardening or living life in a way that's more rewarding and fulfilling, you have to slow down to even listen to yourself or listen to your heart in terms of what would really fulfill you. And so, yes, it is slowing down, tuning in, and then stepping into what your heart says. Sometimes we get scared to do that because we don't know where it's going to lead us. But start on easy things, simple things that aren't so big, and then you learn how to live day-to-day, moment-to-moment, more of a heart-directed life. That's when fulfillment really happens. That's when you start to magnetize new friends, new opportunities, new synchronicities. That's like a new dimension of living, and that's the promise. That's where we're headed. Deborah, I'm going to have you complete these three statements. Better humans are? Better humans are those with compassionate understanding of themselves and others. Better work is? Better work is when your heart's into it and it's fulfilling because you're of service. You know you're serving a bigger cause or serving others. That's what nurtures the heart. And a better world has? Better world has people getting along with each other, which is heart connection, understanding we're all together here. We all live in this one big yard called Earth. And to get along with each other, we need to learn how to connect in the heart. I love it. Thank you so much for being here um, and for just sharing the work that you're doing and giving me the space to ask you all the questions that I assume that people who don't get to sit in this work want to ask or would help them understand more about why they should care about this. So thank you. That was Deborah Rosman, psychologist, author, and educator. One big thing before we go. So here's the deal. I think so many of us spend a lot of time in our heads. We get trained to rely on our intellect, our logic, to make the decisions we need to in our lives that will hopefully result in happy lives and ones of well-being. What I understood from this conversation and what I've understood from the Heart Math Institute is there's another way, there's another access point that we can use to make decisions to feel better, to show up in the way we want to, and that's through the heart. So all I'm going to ask you to do is take a few minutes Try it today, try it again tomorrow, and notice what it's like when you get into your heart, get out of your head, and what you're like when you walk around the world when you do that. Notice the difference. I feel like the best way to prove to yourself what works and what doesn't as you explore different things that will help you move about the world in the way that you want to is to try it. 
evidence and experience are the ways for you to understand and then actually believe in the things that you try. So get out there and try heart coherence. And if this conversation has you thinking about your heart, different ways to access better versions of yourself to slow down and to connect with other people, share it with somebody else who might need to just slow down or might need to feel just more connected to themselves. You can always help other people like you find this show by leaving us a rating before you go. Even better, write a one sentence review telling me about the way that you're practicing strengthening your own connection to your heart. And as always, you can find me on LinkedIn writing about human potential and meaningful living. In the Arena is a production of LinkedIn News. The show is produced by Alexis Ramdow and Rafa Fariha. Asaf Gadron makes sure we sound good in the studio. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Enrique Montalvo is the executive producer of LinkedIn Editorial Productions. Dave Pond is head of news production. Courtney Coop is head of LinkedIn Original Audio and Video. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. And I'm Leah Smart. Thanks for coming with me, and I'll see you next week.